Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Welcome to Know Your Bible. Glad you're back this week. We're going to study the Bible for the next 30 minutes, and we're going to do that by answering viewers' questions. We're a little different than most religious TV programs that are on the air. Uh, most of them tell you what they think you want to know or need to know, and we ask you what you'd like to know and try to answer those questions from the Bible. So you direct this program, <clears throat> you pick the topics, and we'll try to follow along. A phone number and a website on the screen, you can use those anytime to get in touch with us. Just tell us what your question is and uh, can be about the Bible specifically, what's a, this doctrine mean, what's this verse mean, or it can be about your life, what's going on at uh, your home or work or in the news, and we'll try to find an answer on a biblical principle for whatever you ask. So give us a call or log on and get us started here. Let me introduce my partner here, Toby Levering. Good morning, Toby. Hi, good morning, Steve. Glad you're here and ready to go. I'm Steve Tandy, and we've got a lot of good questions saved up. Uh, we're going to start with one for our viewing audience, like we always do. A fellow in the Old Testament named Uriah. He was the husband of Bathsheba, and he died an untimely death, and we want to know how that happened. Uh, if you know that, uh, uh, we'll give you the answer at the end of the program, see if you knew that. So that's our trivia question for the day. Toby, looks like you've got one to start us off, so yep. get us going. Okay. All of the viewer states, all 12 of the apostles were men. Why didn't Jesus ask any women? Uh, well, the first importance is the understanding that it was his choice. Uh, it was Jesus' call to make and... Uh, a far second to that is my interpretation of, of why. Uh, we get into the why God or why Jesus. Uh, you're asking us to take on their mind and understand fully their mindset. And uh, neither Steve or I would, would claim that we could do that uh, with 100% accuracy. Um, I'll give some reasons why I think that's why he chose men, but uh, they're not. The Bible just doesn't say. Uh, the word apostle is a word that simply means one sent. And according to Matthew chapter 10, uh, God sent those apostles out to proclaim the kingdom of God, to teach and preach about the king, Jesus, and his kingdom, the coming kingdom of the church. Uh, and how they did that was to show miracles and to teach and to proclaim <clears throat> that message all throughout uh, Judea. Uh, in first century Judaism, uh, people of influence were leaders and teachers. Uh, all of those pe kinds of people were men. Uh, in our politically correct world, uh, that's we don't think that way. But in their world, that's the way that it was. Uh, so Jesus wanted the message to get out. It makes sense that he would send those who to uh, people that would be listened to. Um, now, this does not mean that women were not involved. 
Uh, don't misunderstand and, and think that Jesus was a uh, misogynist or something. Uh, there were many women who were disciples, many women who were involved uh, personally in the uh, ministry. Uh, women were some of the first re- uh, witnesses to the resurrected Jesus. Uh, so he certainly uh, had them and used them for uh, in, in his ministry purposes, uh, but he just didn't send out any of them. Uh, it could have been the, you know, obviously the cultural. It could have been for their protection, uh, or any number of reasons that I think are uh, logical and reasonable. But again, that's those are my reasons, not necessarily Jesus' reasons. So, whatever the reasons, you are exactly right. The twelve apostles were men. The scriptures uh, are clear on that. Let's look at one of those from the book of Matthew, chapter ten through uh, verses two through four. These the names of the twelve apostles are these: first Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. So the apostles were men, and uh, why exactly Jesus didn't call women for that role, uh, we'll have to ask someday when we meet him. <laughs> All right, if you ask, isn't the will of God throughout the Bible? Uh, Well, I will agree that, yes, the will of God is found throughout the Bible. I'm not sure exactly what uh, our viewer means here, unless uh, I'll take it to mean that it's a good proposition that we study the Bible, the whole Bible. Uh, The will of God is not in one little place or written in a creed or on tables of stone anymore. Uh, The will of God is throughout the Bible. Now, there are some verses that say something and say, this is the will of God for you. Uh, so there's some real specific things mentioned in the Bible. But overall, we read the story. A lot of it we get just from examples. Uh, people did a certain thing and God was pleased with it. Uh, they did something else and God wasn't pleased with it. So we learn the will of God that way. Uh, <clears throat> We don't always see the will of God in our lives. And maybe this viewer is trying to make the point that the more we know about the Bible, uh, the more we study it and meditate on it and read it, uh, the more we'll understand God's will. So I think that's a great point. Uh, If you have children, you know that at the very beginning they don't know what your will is. Uh, But the more they get familiar with you, the more time they spend with you, uh, the more they figure out this is my father's will. Uh, This is what my mother wills that I do. Same way with God. The more time we spend with him and in his word, this viewer points out, uh, we'll learn the will of God much better. Uh, When my boys were little, one was a little older than the other one, the young one would sometimes say, I'm going to go ask Dad for this, and the older one would say, you don't need to. He's going to say no. Uh, The older one knew my will a little bit better than the younger one. Uh, Same way with us. The more mature we are, the more time we've spent with God, the more we understand His will. So spend some time in the book and uh, you'll find the will of God in your life. All right, welfare. He wants to know about what does God say about welfare. Well, when we uh, that's the question. What does God say about welfare? Uh, When we think of the word welfare, our modern mindset is a government program. God is concerned about the welfare of people, but how that's executed and and uh, how that happens. 
is different than what God intended, what the Bible speaks about providing welfare. The, the Bible does not mention welfare as felt as we think of it, with government-provided welfare. In other words, uh, you're of a certain economic status, you're a certain uh, disability, and the government just simply sends you a check. Uh, that's not a, a biblically, I mean, that's a, even in world history, that's a relatively new invention. Uh, God, first of all, expects people to work. He expects people to uh, earn honestly, and to use the, what they earn to provide and take care of their families. Second uh, Thessalonians three ten through twelve. We won't put it on the screen, but the scripture says, "For even when we were with you, we gave you this command: if if anyone is not willing to work, don't let him eat. Uh, for we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, uh, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage." Uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. So the scripture is pretty clear that when it comes to providing for the welfare of yourself and your family, the way to do that, honestly, the, the way to do that in a, a way that's pleasing to the Lord and the way that the Lord intended is to work and to provide honestly, to earn a living honestly. Uh, in fact, Paul would say to the young Timothy, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I mean, he, he really uh, is serious about it and wanted Christians to be serious about it. And we were, uh, in, as followers of Christ, to take that seriously. Um, so, work is the way to provide for welfare for yourself, for uh, the welfare of your family. Um, and, okay, there are, there are people, though, that have times of hardship. Maybe they've injured, they get hospitalized, they're unable to work. Well, if we do it God's way, uh, who comes in to help that person when they're down uh, is their family. Uh, there were times in which the church family would do that, and they provided charity, and many charities started f from Christians uh, because they believed in helping those who were unable to work. Um, and so Christians are are have that calling as well. We're we're to help people when we can, uh, but for they're for people of who have a genuine need who are unable to work and to provide. For themselves. So let's look at a couple of scriptures on the screen. James chapter 1 verse 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Acts 20 verse 35. Uh, Jesus said, in all, in, in all things I have shown you by, by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So providing welfare comes from work, and then for those who are unable to work, uh, Christians are to uh, provide and uh, to, to provide for those in the church family uh, that have are unable to work for, for whatever reason. So I hope that clarifies a little bit biblically. All right. I think a question about, uh, not a question, uh, I want to talk about uh, studying, the, <coughs> studying the Bible. Uh, I don't know how many of you study the Bible regularly. Some of you have a routine. You read a little bit each day or you have some way of uh, making sure you get in the Bible on a regular basis. 
and some of you probably don't. Well, we think studying the Bible is a good thing, uh, so we've come up with some tools that we think are very helpful, and uh, we share those with our viewers absolutely free of charge if you'd like to get started studying the Bible. You see the first course that we offer here on the screen. It's a very general, very overview of the Bible. Then we've got some more advanced courses that take you into the uh, <clears throat> details of a certain book or a certain topic. Uh, you can study the Bible a long time with Know Your Bible Study Tools. And like I said, those are absolutely free. Uh, we've recently added a online course that we think is a great option. Uh, if you go to that website, you'll be hooked up with us and we'll get you started on an online course uh, that's a very excellent course, but uh, you do it on your phone or iPad. Uh, don't have to get wait for the mail to get there and don't have to send it back to get us to grade it. Uh, all happens digitally and instantaneously. So uh, we're getting into the modern age here, and we hope that uh, that's an option for some of you. If you'd like to study the Bible either on paper or on online, we've got the options for you. So give us a call or log on. Let us get it started for you. All right, question about the Churches of Christ, and uh, we are sponsored by the Churches of Christ, and I'll advertise a few in just a moment, but here's an interesting take. viewer says, are there different versions of the Church of Christ, uh, like Baptist and Southern Baptist? All right, I understand the question. Uh, are there different brands of Churches of Christ that uh, are separated and have different beliefs and different fellowships and all that? <clears throat> Uh, yes, there are to some degree, uh, but they're not named that way, and you can't see it on the sign out front. Now, let me explain. Uh, the reason for that are twofold. Number one, Churches of Christ are autonomous. We have no headquarters. We have no uh, governing authority that tells us if you're a congregation of the Church of Christ, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. Uh, we don't have any headquarters like that. <clears throat> Each local congregation is the highest authority there is. The elders of that group uh, determine their rules of faith and practice from the Bible. So that's one reason that you won't see named differences. Uh, the other reason that there are differences but they're not named is because our basic belief as Churches of Christ is that we should all study the Bible ourselves and understand what it says. <clears throat> now, when you have that kind of freedom, now when you don't have an authority telling you here's exactly what you've got to believe, there's going to be a few differences. Uh, we won't all do things in exactly the same way. Uh, there's a lot of things in the Bible that are matters of opinion. Uh, Paul talks about that a lot in Romans 14. He says one person thinks this way about it, another person thinks this way about it. Okay, get along, be unified, don't separate. Uh, so we we will have a lot of that. Uh, in just a moment, I'm going to talk about the churches that support us. And I believe today's two are Great Bend and Scott City, Kansas, two separate congregations uh, that are not under any higher authority, so they probably... Uh, do some things a little different. They believe things a little different on some topics. But the matters of importance, the serious, where the Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, uh, they both believe that the Bible settles things. 
We don't need a higher authority to tell us that. The Bible says it. That's what we do. Uh, we speak where the Bible speaks and are silent where the Bible's silent, and that directs us, and that's all the direction we've got. So, <clears throat> are there some differences? Yes. Uh, do we separate and say, okay, if you believe this, you got to put this on your side, and we're going to call you Brand X, Church of Christ, and if you believe this, you got to call yourself something else? Uh, no, we don't do that. Churches of Christ are unified uh, by our common belief that the Bible settles things. Uh, we do have some fellowship and some contact among us, and we do things a lot in the same ways. Uh, but no, we're not universally directed by a headquarters to do everything the same. Uh, so, get back to the question, are different versions? Yes, to some degree, uh, but not to the degree of naming and separating. So, hope it helps you understand the Churches of Christ a little bit. Okay. Uh, a viewer makes a statement, God created all seed-bearing plants, so why is it a sin to smoke pot? Well, uh, my first answer to that is just because God created it doesn't mean it's God's will for you to smoke it. There's lots of things that God created that He didn't intend for you to smoke in that way. But I, I understand the question, and certainly the laws in this country, uh, the United States, is, are, are changing, and uh, there's new and, I guess, nuanced ideas about smoking marijuana. Uh, and the Bible doesn't address this topic specifically. You won't find a book, chapter, and verse that deal with smoking pot, smoking marijuana. <laughs> Um, so we have to think about it, and there are some topics like that. And the Bible doesn't say directly, so we have to use biblical principles. The, the first consideration is, is it legal? If you're, if you're smoking something, or if you're any drug that's illegal, uh, is made illegal for a reason. There have been doctors and experts, and maybe the FB, FDA have studied it and found that this is not good for people, that there's a chance for it to be abused or misused and cause harm, not just to that individual, but lots of individuals. There's a reason for that, okay? So if it's, if it's illegal and you're a Christian, uh, Romans 13 is quite clear. We have got to submit to the governing authorities whether we like it or not. Okay? Now, laws may change, and laws are changing, and so then we have to think about it differently. But that's the first consideration. The second is, uh, second consideration is, what's your purpose in asking? Okay, there, there's, a, there's a difference, I think, in smoking marijuana to get high, and because you enjoy it, because you enjoyed smoking it and eating snacks and playing video games all day. Uh, there's a difference in that kind of question versus... I've got glaucoma, and this helps with that. Or my, you know, child has seizures, and it's providing some relief. Okay, those are different purposes, and we understand that. Um, the, the the third thing is, and these there are some biblical. And this is where we'll get to some uh, biblical Bible verses to think about. Uh, is it good for you? Uh, first is, are you taking care of your body? First Corinthians six nineteen and 20 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, uh, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. So honor God, glorify God with your body. I mean, we got to take care of the body. We only get one, and it's a gift from God, and like any gift from God, we should steward it well. So take care of it. Second consideration on is it good for you is, is this feeding some kind of addiction, okay? And we're talking about marijuana. The same could be true for prescription painkillers, okay? 
If you're taking those and they were prescribed to you to deal with the debilitating pain that you have, but all of a sudden you find yourself taking them, not for the back pain or the leg pain, but because you really are addicted to it, that's not good for you. Second uh, Peter 2 says, For whatever, a pers- whatever overcomes a person, uh, it, uh, to that he is enslaved. Okay, if you're enslaved to something, God says that's not good. And so if you're feeding an addiction, you certainly certainly need to get help for that addiction instead of trying to feed it more. The third consideration is, am I self-controlled with it? First uh, Peter 5, 8 says, be alert and of sober mind. Uh, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. I think a lot of sin and problems come when we when we give up self-control. And a lot of drugs do that, which is why a lot of them are illegal after a certain point. Um, the fourth consideration is what kind of example am I setting? Okay, if you're if you're setting a, an example, you got to remember your children are watching you, your friends are watching you, your, your people that know you in your circle of influence. And if you're a Christian, you have to take that very seriously. Uh, Paul said in First Corinthians eight, be careful that the exercise of your freedom does not per- become a stumbling block to the weak. So a lot of things to think about. I do hope you think about it and not just try to say, well, you know, uh, it's legal in my state, so I can do it. I mean, that's that's the wrong way of thinking about it. So we got to think more about it, and hopefully those scriptures will help. I have one for you on the screen, Titus chapter 2, uh, verse 11 and following. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in this present age. I hope that gives you some things to think about on the topic of marijuana. All righty. Thank you. If you ever want to know about euthanizing pets, uh, since the Bible says you shall not kill, is it a sin to euthanize a pet? Well, oh, first, oh, just offhand, no, it's not a sin to euthanize a pet. In fact, often it's the kindest thing you can do, the most uh, righteous thing you can do is to euthanize a pet and put it out of its suffering. Uh, But the flaw in this question is the Bible doesn't say don't kill. Now I know King James Version uh, one of the Ten Commandments, we'll put it on the screen right now, Uh, Exodus 20.13, the King James says you shall not kill. Uh, The New King James got it a little more accurate. It says you shall not murder. Now there's the point we need to make. There's a difference between killing and murdering. If God really said, you shall not kill, uh, think about that. Take it to the extreme. Uh, If you shan't kill anything, then you can't kill a mosquito. You can't swat a fly. You can't step on a spider. Some people may believe that and treat (laughs) spiders that way, but most people know better. Uh, You can kill, but you shan't murder. And Genesis chapter 9, 6, when Noah and folks came off the ark, God made it very clear in Genesis 9 6. He said, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by, his, uh, by man shall his blood be shed. The death penalty was for killing humans. Uh, you can't murder, is what that verse means. So, no, doesn't apply to pets and euthanasia and all that. Uh, euthanizing a pet's the kindest thing you can do sometimes. Let me take this moment and uh, talk about visiting a Church of Christ near you. I already mentioned the Great Bend and the Scott City Churches of Christ. Uh, Those are two folks that uh, help keep us on the air and support Know Your Bible in their area. 
<clears throat> and we appreciate their support and invite you to uh, visit them. If you're looking for a church home, drop in. Or if you know somebody that uh, attends the Church of Christ in Great Bend or Scott City, tell them you heard about them on Know Your Bible. Thank them for providing the program for you. Whatever area you're watching in, whatever market you're from, there's probably a Church of Christ near you, and we'd appreciate if you'd visit them. Drop in and uh, uh, tell them you heard about them Know Know Your Bible. All right, Toby, what do you got? Okay, a uh, viewer asked the question, where in the Bible does it tell us when Jesus will return? Uh, well, it's a good question, and it's one that many people are confused about. The Bible does not tell us when Jesus will return. It only tells us that he will return. In fact, Jesus was very clear on this subject. Uh, uh, in fact, if there is someone who tells you they know when he will return, that's sign number one of a false teacher. Uh, no one knows when Jesus will return. Let's look at Matthew chapter 24, verses 42 and following. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord had co will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Uh, when will Jesus come? We don't know. Uh, we know that he will come, and that when he comes, it will be at a time we don't expect. So we got to be ready. I hope that uh, clarifies. All righty, thank you. Uh, yeah, we get, seems like once a year or so, some yep. expert says they've figured out the date. And yep. February 12th or something, here comes Jesus. Uh, I'm always much more comfortable on those days. Cause yeah. I am too, yeah. Yeah, when you see the billboards and the news stories and this is the date, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty relaxed. So. But might happen. But yep. Nobody knows. All right, last question for the day. Do babies grow up in heaven? Well, it's an interesting thing to think about. Uh, if a child, a young child, two years old, eight years old, whatever dies, do they get any older when they're in heaven? And the Bible just doesn't tell us. We do not know. A lot of things we don't know about heaven. God just didn't give us many details about it, except that it's going to be really good. Uh, no tears, no mourning, no death. Uh, it's going to be a wonderful place. But he doesn't give us the details. Now, uh, there's one little clue, maybe, in the story of David and his son with Bathsheba. Uh, the child died as a young infant. We don't know how old it was, but pretty young. And David, when after the child had died, uh, said this. He said, "I can't. Or the child can't come back to me, but I'll go to him." And so David knew they would be reunited in heaven, but he didn't tell us if it was going to be a child or that would be grown up to thirty or forty years old. In our view, uh, I think heaven's going to be so different, and our spiritual resurrected bodies are so different. Uh, that we can't even understand it. So talking about age and all that, uh, what age will we be? Uh, I'm 70 here on earth now, uh, but I might be 30 when I get there. Who knows? <laughs> I, I, I don't know how that's going to work. The Bible just doesn't tell us, so we don't know about that. Glad you've been with us, and let's make sure we get our trivia question answered before we quit. How did Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba, die? Well, Unfortunately, that David we just talked about sent him to the battlefront. 
Second Samuel 11, he sent orders, move Uriah up where it's more dangerous and he'll be killed and that'll cover up my sin. Glad you've been with us today and hope you come back next week for more of our questions on Know Your Bible. Till then, you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.